0: these top stories in the news at this hour. The Board of Education wants to wipe out most major contract benefits for the city's teachers. The United States vetoes the admission of both North and South Vietnam to the UN. Retail sales showed strong improvement last month. This is Lester Smith reporting, next news as it happens. Next scheduled news at 11 o'clock over WOR Radio 710, The Talk of New York. And now here's
1: Gene Shepard. just got to do something on uh, the bicentennial tonight. Uh, I've decided to do it. This is going to be a very official uh, broadcast tonight, and uh, no, I'm just warning—it's very official. And uh, of course, you know the bicentennial is appearing on uh, every every conceivable television. Every every little half hour, you know, I come some uh, uh, very ill at ease actor. Ah, this is Richard Kudnick, and in 1822, this is the way it was. And, you know, you're sitting, what the hell is all this about? And he he goes on about how the the frigate was sunk in the Bay of Penobscot and and, uh, the the clam fishermen's rose up. And and so anyway, you know, it's kind of great to hear about all that stuff. But uh, you only hear about the good guys winning. You notice that. They never say uh, that there was another side to it. Oh, no. Oh, no. There's only one side to history when you're celebrating. And... uh, (laughs) <laughs> and so, uh, I would like to—I'd like to take this opportunity at this point. Now, I'd have to first of all hasten to say, uh, my good friends and neighbors, the fellow victims of the 20th century. I would uh, hasten to say that uh, what follows does not necessarily—you notice—I'm not totally denying it. What follows does not necessarily uh, represent the views of any known human being, including the person that's doing it. Okay. Now, you notice what I said. Now, I left a a loophole there big enough for a large greyhound bus to drive through with a crowd of uh, picnicking Baptist ladies aboard. All right? So, uh, all right? You like that image, don't you, Dave? Right, you know, throwing the chicken bones out the back. Okay. So uh, before we get into this, this is a very serious program. So before we do that, there is nothing more serious in Bicentennial America than commerce commerce has supplanted the church in many areas. Uh, That is, if your union hasn't. Uh, Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, no, seriously. It used to be, the guys were Presbyterians and now they're Teamsters. Uh, And it's it's equally a union. And there's equal righteousness involved. And uh, all the rest of it. Oh, yes. The true faith, that's called. So uh, would you please hit the true faith button, please?
0: I'm Jane, and this is a no-frills commercial. Just straight talk and good news. Yes, no-frills is back, which means that now you can fly national and save a big 35%. Fly me with no-frills.
1: Oh, uh, starting September 3rd, you can fly no-frills fare to Miami-Fort Lauderdale for just $61, little Jade sitting over there with no-frills little plain old Jane. That's a saving of $33. The number of no frills seats is limited. It's every man against every other man. It's brother against brother. It's first come serve. Yes, get in a fight. No frills is back. Call your travel agent or National Airlines. It's summertime once again, and a big question in everyone's mind is what are the chances of being sunburned? This is Dr. Bob Harris, WOR Radio's resident meteorologist And this is just one of the questions I answer in my daily weather forecast here over WOR Radio. I have developed a formula which informs you about the possibility of a sunburn, severe or not. You can hear my forecast during each and every newscast heard hourly throughout the day and evening, as well as during the morning on Rambling with Gambling, here at WOR Radio, the talk of New York. Okay, friends, the eagle has landed. That's right, that's right. Yes, that's the right one. That's Hitler. Cheering, listen
2: 1943. The cheers for the Third Reich are fading memories. Bombs are falling on Berlin. All over Europe, the Germans are pulling back. Then Adolf Hitler personally orders an operation so daring it could alter the course of the war in one single stroke. Kidnap or kill Winston Churchill. Not since Day of the Jackal has there been a book with such tension, suspense and high drama. The Eagle Has Landed by Jack Higgins weaves fact and fiction into a tingling thriller. In the air, on the sea, up to Churchill's door they fought. Explain the to Rich what that Nazi means. The aristocratic English <laughs> widow with a Nazi code name, the IRA gunman whose first mistake was falling in love. The Eagle Has Landed by Jack Higgins, the big thriller from Holt, Reinhardt and Winston. The Eagle Has Landed now at book and department stores. Phone the European Health Spa Take me, shake me Phone the European Health Spa Take me, shake me Do it now Take me, shake me now There's a slimmer, more attractive body waiting for you at the European Health Spa you know the body you always should have had, with trim, toned muscularity, and a glow of good health. All it takes is a little exercise and watching your camera. We'll help you do it. So come on, give us the you that you are, and we'll give you the you that you can be. First trial visit free.
1: Okay, let's uh, let's cool it there for a while there, huh? <laughs> I mean, let them relax. You know, there's a. There's a thing they call, and uh, did you know that in, in sales psychology, there's a thing they call the uh, the optimum saturation point, and um, that's that's well, that's a very technical phrase, meaning uh, meaning roughly that point at which you say, I
3: I can't stand, it. will you get another station?
1: All right, that's what that means. <laughs> How many times have you said that? I'll be. Everybody... <laughs> I was. <laughs> i I, uh, I just wonder uh, whether or not many television stations and this one uh, I incidentally, I think they're the most guilty of this, uh, are aware of the vast migration of viewers away after the eighteenth minute of consecutive commercials in the middle of a film. Uh, by the time you go back to the film, you've forgotten what film you were watching, you know, it gets back. You know, and, and halfway you start to dream off right in the middle of the bacon shake spot, you know, and then you start coming back a little bit and then in the Campbell soup commercial and then you drift away again, you know, and then there's three spots on to visit Jamaica and then two airline spots for you to visit peaceful Morocco and uh then <laughs> by the time you by the time you drift back into the thing, they come out with a station break and then repeat another twenty four commercials, you know. There's a place for a used car dealer out in Queens where apparently they consistently uh, auction off the best cars in the marketplace and uh, there's a guy tooting a horn and ringing a bell and uh, he says, and not only that free kinks and coffee, you can come down the day before and inspect the car that you want to buy well, you know, you, you, this brings you back a little bit, that commercial has a little life to it, and uh, you know you like that big fat guy with the horny honks as, a, as, a, as another clunker was sold and so uh, suddenly you find yourself back in a film. You know, it takes you a couple of seconds. You say, uh, uh, well, what, 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 what happened to, to Gary Cooper? Somebody says well, Gary Cooper. that was last night, Al. So, I was walking. You Gary Cooper. He says, No, no, we were watching Alan Ladd. I swear it was Alan Ladd. So what are you talking about? Alan Ladd was on last Tuesday. This is already Friday. You know, now says, an oh, what the hell? And you switch off and you watch a rerun of a wrestling match that was fought in 1938. Uh, <laughs> you could tell it by the haircut of the referee. But uh, six of one happened to the other. So, nevertheless, let's get back now. We've, we've, we've just played enough commercials for you, right? And when I begin to see you getting nervous, or at least you're softened up, I'll throw some more at you, so get ready for it. Yeah, get your snorkel ready there. Have you ever had a feeling that what you need is a, is a metaphysical snorkel? You know what a snorkel is? That's right. Well, see, no, most people think of it as this tool that goes up. But the real snorkel, you know, uh, is a German word. Most people think of it as, you know, it's a thing they stoned down a grass, which you swim underwater the water with. Uh, it's a pipe, you know. No way. A true snorkel. Yeah, it was invented. It was a great secret weapon of, of Nazi, uh, the Hitler world. Did you know that? Well, what it did, it was a a very intricate device, Uh, not as simple as the one that you swim around in a swimming pool with. And uh, it uh, it enabled a submarine, see, they put this thing up. It enabled a submarine to charge its batteries while lying under the surface of the water, Mm. Uh, which uh, undetected, see, that's the whole point, see. The 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 problem with a submarine is that it's operated by batteries. See, they have these batteries that uh, that are diesel uh, uh, operated. This, of course, is a non nuclear sub we're talking about, a conventional sub. So wh- they have to charge the batteries. Now the only way they can charge the batteries is coming up to the top because this takes a lot of uh, it makes a lot of fumes and stuff. They have a generator, you know, the, uh, that operates and the batteries are charging and the thing it's charging away, and uh, they, they're set so that in, in, in 12 hours of surface, they lay up at the top, they can fully charge the batteries, and then they can lie under the surface of the water. See, so they operate on batteries, or did you know that, underwater? So at that point, you see, the invention of the snorkel was very important because they could just, you know, this thing goes up. Now, it wasn't just a pipe that went up. That wouldn't work because you gonna am- No, you say, why not? That sounds like you put a pipe up in the air. Well, when you're laying... And the surface uh, you're laying under the north sea with 40-foot waves i'll be damned if you're going to stick just a pipe up in the air <laughs> i'm going to tell you that's the quickest way to know what's on the bottom of the ocean you're going to hit the bottom awful quick and with a big thump and so uh, the snorkel was a very complex device and remains that and now wouldn't it be great to have a mental snorkel We're undetected by your boss and friends around you. You could (laughs) you could stick this tube up into the psychological atmosphere and absorb fresh air, which will not be easy to find in the stormy North Seas of your life. And the old thing goes up there and absorbs this fresh air, and uh, you recharge your psychic batteries, right? And then you could escape from your foes undetected because that's what the battery enables you to do. They call it silent running. Did you know that that's a... You've heard that, because you've seen many a Clark Gable movie. You know all these things. And uh, <laughs> all the technicalities of submarines are totally known to all moviegoers. Uh, and I, that's why a lot of people think there's nothing to a lot of things. Because the movies, of course, always oversimplify almost to a painful degree. So the average guy thinks that the average soldier is dumb because they don't show him learning anything. It's very simple. Why, the average walking around, yuck, would have trouble even loading an M1, <laughs> much less firing it, taking it apart, cleaning it, and keeping it in operation. I mean, <laughs> you know, just just loading it would be enough to throw the average guy for a month. Uh, just taking it off safety. I know one guy that thought, yeah, he got this gun uh, for, for Christmas from his father. His father gave him a twenty-two, and uh, he was going to throw it away after a year and a half. He said, it doesn't work. We couldn't figure out how the hell a safety worked. All right. So, <laughs> you know, uh, don't, don't, don't push me, Dad. But uh, nevertheless, is it time for the station break? Yes, of course. I know how it works. This is W-O-Y New York. Right. And now let's lay, them, let's lay them out now with the final blast. Hit them quick.
0: Which high-potency vitamin do physicians and pharmacists recommend most? Theragran and Theragran-M with minerals by Squibb. The name Squibb on the label means that you have no doubt about the honor or integrity of the maker. And right now, you can take advantage of a great special offer. Buy 100 Theragran or Therogran M tablets at the regular price and get 30 extra tablets at no extra cost. 30 extra when you buy 100. That's a month's supply for one person, but the offer's limited. Get your Theragran by Squibb now. It's the brand physicians and pharmacists recommend most for mixed vitamin deficiencies, and it's available at Haler's Pharmacy, 546 Passaic Avenue in West Caldwell, Medical Center Pharmacy, 365 East Northfield Avenue, Livingston, New Jersey. Center Drug, 656 Bloomfield Avenue, in Verona. And don't forget to tune in to this weekend's Jets football game, sponsored in part by your local squib, Therogram Pharmacist.
1: Sing it out, men. Sing loud and clear. I want to hear it coming from the heart. That's right.
0: Someday you'll
1: own. Someday, Someday you'll own. Someday you'll Sooner or later, your honor generals. That sounds like John Mitchell singing number one twenty one in the great hymn book. Right? All about O D. Gee, I haven't heard John Mitchell in a long time. I wonder if he's still doing those funny little things and smoking it. Well, anyway, General Tire doesn't claim its tire experts have all the answers, of course. We're glad to hear. They're modest, reliable, sober men. But they can tell you just about anything you want to know about tires. Narrow-minded, but uh, they know it. So get out there and ask them about tires. Don't ask them about how to play Pinochle. He doesn't know. Tires, yes. General Tire Specialist will handle all your automotive needs. And he'll even give you the words of this song, so you can sing it on the way home. If it comes to turn it up. You'll autograph it, you'll own LP with Tom O'Neill singing it. Sooner or later, you'll own generals. Uh, let's see, we have two more, and then uh, you're off the hook for tonight, we can do the show.
4: Hello, I'm David Hartman. You know, we're all grateful when our children are healthy, and we sympathize with parents whose children aren't. Well, your youngsters can help children stricken by muscular dystrophy, especially when you encourage them. Send for a carnival kit, it shows youngsters how to hold a carnival right in your own backyard money raised will send children disabled by dystrophy to summer camp. Here's where to write.
2: Carnivals Against Dystrophy, P.O. Box 2000, Times Square Station, New York, or call 212-765-1725.
1: Okay. Now, do we have any more there? Right.
4: (laughs) Fly Aeromexico, the airline of Mexico to Mexico soon. Aeromexico, Aero Mexico. Aero Mexico, Aero Mexico, the airline that takes you to Mexico City and on to Acapulco on El Fonde, our wide body DC 10. Aeromexico Aero Aero is the only airline to offer you first rock as well as stereophonic music <laughs> on your flight down to Mexico City. Mexico.
3: Ay, ay,
4: ay, 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 ay. ay, ay, ay. And to make your trip even better, Aeromexico has over a thousand Aeromexico quality-approved tours to Mexico. There's bound to be one just for you. See your travel agent or call Aeromexico, the airline of Mexico, and fly with us soon. All right, now we're all
1: set to do a show, right? Enough fooling around. Bicentennial time. And, uh... The one thing you do not get, of course, watching on the Bicentennial shows, is that there is another story.
4: Any, any
1: great human conflict, and that's what the American Revolution was, any great human conflict has two opposing sides. And uh, after the conflict, after the roaring and the shooting stops, the opposing side is hardly ever heard. <laughs> I mean, right? So, just as a public service, I'm going to bring you what one group in the United States feels. Now, uh, you... Uh, I'll have to do this in proper uh, dialogue, accent. I'm going to give the proper emphasis. Uh, the thoughts do not represent the thoughts of the speaker who rarely has any kind of thoughts, of any type, uh, because he learned years ago that this gets you nowhere. It's not thought you need as an agent. All right, here we go now. Uh, this was was sent to me by one of my spies. It is a piece of mail which he received unsolicited in the us mails in presenting an entirely dissident uh, let's put it this way opposing view of the bicentennial celebration would you please give me some uh, proper theme music
3: we shall fight them on the hedgerows we shall fight them with blood sweat and tears Thank God, They will know that they will always be in England. The Committee for the Truth about the desperately American Revolution brings you the following paragraph. At last, the truth revealed. America. Don't be deceived by by bicentennial propaganda. Reunite now with England. As we approach the 200th anniversary of America's independence, we look with dismay and distress upon the many problems facing our country. The list is long and growing longer. We stop and ask, why? What is the cause? These innumerable crises are nothing less than the inevitable festering of a grievous mistake made 200 years ago, the American Revolution! The corruption in high places, the few of our political institutions, the decay of our country's moral fiber, all originate in those self-serving and extremist acts of a few of our hot-headed, rebellious, so-called founding fathers. Their unwillingness to work within the system, and their violent overthrow of the benevolent British rule. The sins of the founding fathers are now being visited upon the children. The only solution is that the corruption of the past mistake is to reunite with Mother England. Travel down the pothole tarmac of American history at a 65 mile an hour speed limit and you will see that every corruption, every brutal and violent act, every injustice could have been prevented if only those radical and hot-headed men had been patient enough to work within the system. Slavery was abolished in the British Empire in 1807, two score and 16 years before the Emancipation Proclamation. Hence, there would have been no civil war, no Reconstruction period, no Ku Klux Klan. World Wars One and Two would never have occurred. Germany would never dare attack a British Empire that included both sides of the Atlantic Ocean. The American Revolution not only betrayed America, but also, blessed Mother England. Nay, the entire civilized world, historians agree that the bloodbath of the French Revolution, and indeed, the Russian and Chinese Communist Revolutions, look to the success of the American Revolution for their model. Can we honestly glorify men who have caused so much pain, so much grievous wrongs, and for whose mistakes we are today suffering The loyalists were the real patriots. For over 200 years, we have been deceived and bullied into believing that violent, hot-headed men like Patrick Henry, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson were heroes. But the real heroes were the American loyalists, the Tories who could see what terrible things the revolution would cause. But how do our history books treat them? As traitors, despicable traitors. How did our great heroes, those supposed lovers of liberty and justice for all men, treat those far-sighted men loyal to God and King and Mother England? They confiscated Tory property, drove them into exile, and barred and tired and feathered them, threw them into prisons without trials. Do we hear any of this from our biased bicentennial commission? Of course not. They are coloring up just like the Watergate scandals. Cuttering up the evils that were visited upon the whole world by that dastardly American Revolution, which brought upon us the Chinese Revolution, the Cuban Revolution, all the bad things in all of history ever since that time was brought about by Patrick Henry. Give me liberty, give me truth. Indeed, the truth is that Mother England remains like a rock of civilization. Yes, let us correct that dastardly mistake of history that was made 200 years ago by reuniting with joyous England, once again rejoining our queen and celebrating God and country by singing, God save the queen. Instead of that ridiculous song of rebellion, America, the beautiful potholes. Litter bugs everywhere. Yes, America the Beautiful, the song of revolution. And I say to you that when all school children sing, God save the Queen, and the Union Jack floats over Indianapolis, only then will civilization restore itself to the American public. This program was brought to you by the true patriots and right thinkers of America, committee ad hoc. Well,
1: wow, that was exciting, wasn't it? Never thought of it that way, did you? I mean, a whole damn world collapsed. I mean, you know, right. holy smokes. Well, yeah, three. <laughs> wow. So much for Fourth of July, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, now, that you think I'm making this up? There it is. This is going into my archives here, friends. Last file of trivia so that people of the year 5,970 will know exactly what it was like. This was a view. And uh, he says it just came in the mail. He said it came with, a, with an ad from Beneficial Finance two bills from the light company. The phone company was sending him a friendly little note. And he says uh, he read this one last. He said, by God, he halfway believed it after all those notes from (laughs) IT&T. You know? Oh, yeah. You know, there there are very many extremes of turning back the clockism. You know, if you really carry that thinking back to its extremity, all the way back, you can become. You got that theme up there? All right. Okay. All right.
3: The Committee to Restore Stability Among the Solar Systems of Nature now brings you the following program. We are tired of this so-called celebration of man, which goes on incessantly. Do you realize that World's War I, World War II, the American Revolution, the Chinese Revolution, Attila the Hun, Alexander the Great, the stabbing of Julius Caesar in the marketplace, all of these evil, dastardly deeds would have been prevented if Adam had not known Eve in the Garden of Eden. But who is responsible for that? Who created the whole mess? Uh, That is correct. That which some wrong-headed people continue to worship. God. The ultimate enemy of us all is God. Because had he not created Adam, he would not have created the original sin. And had he not created the original sin, there could conceivably have been no at any point human misery and unhappiness which have succeeded generation after generation so we demand to turn back to the clock before I say before there were even men at all and so the committee to alleviate the wrongs of nature and the solar system demand a return to the original scheme of things before man was created
1: all right just bring it in don't worry about it that's fine <laughs> with these committees it really doesn't matter whether the music comes or goes <laughs> the blathering will go on but see there there's the you could rewrite any kind of history you want you can prove conclusively that had not president kennedy got elected in 1960 there couldn't have been an assassination <laughs> you know it's that kind of thinking uh, it's 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 uh, it's you know it's 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 blaming all the wrongs. It's a fascinating thing on, on how you can blame all the evil of of mankind on one single thing. This, of course, does not admit to any any uh, human uh, propensity for evil at all times. <laughs> I mean, under any circumstance, at uh, uh, under any flag. But uh, this uh, this. Uh, this is actually, uh, if you think I'm kidding, a lot of people are, you know, saying, oh, that was really funny, you know. But it is funny in its way, but un- I think certainly inadvertently. And this was, this was mailed and sent to a friend of mine, one of our spies out there in the darkness, who received it. And uh, curiously enough, it was mailed from the brotherly love city. Oh, well, that's symbolic. Of course, this is where that whole dastardly rotten stuff began. Why not? I mean, if you're going to if you're going to write out, the, you know, if you're going to sit down and, and write the stuff about the the decay of American political systems, you should certainly have a Watergate address. I mean, well, it was symbolic. I mean, of course. <laughs> and uh, but uh, I I've read that thing and I said, well, you know, there are, there are people who there are royalists among us. You know, the royalist the, the royalist contingent has never left America. It, uh, it has always persisted and, in fact, was present at the time of the Revolution. Who was among the people of the great founding fathers who was the leading royalist, who believed not in the British royalty, but in establishing an American royalty? Who? Patrick Henry? Who? Well, he was, yes, he but he was not the, a leader in that field. He, he He leaned towards it. But who was the leader there? Madison? Well, not, no, no. (coughs) Who was it? Well, it was Alexander Hamilton. And in fact, uh, Hamilton, uh, at one point in time, uh, to use another government phrase, uh, suggested that uh, Mr. Washington be the king. And he wanted him to be a hereditary king, not just a king, you know, while he's around, but uh, a hereditary king so that we could be, uh, right now, if it was carried through, we could be ruled by the, uh, yes, the George Washington family. There are descendants, you know, of Washington around. And uh, we, we would have that scene going. Now, th- that, th- but that, that curious kind of thought has never left the country. In other words, there's always been a small group of royalists uh, and I'm not talking about economic royalists or uh, or a caste royalist, yeah, that's true. Gerald Washington he would be Gerald the Eighth or uh, <laughs> you know, some name like that and, and uh, well, of course the 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 uh, thing about royalty, of course, is uh, people who who uh, are royalists you know who who go for this idea of royalty always consider themselves part of the aristocracy. that's important to realize that 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 all all uh, advocates of a the royal system invariably think of themselves as part of the aristocracy of that royalty, of that of that uh, system. So uh, you'll find people who are always constantly projecting that America, that, say, for example, New York should be a separate uh, country. They see the country, then, being governed by them and their friends. This is invariable.
3: The way it is.
1: <laughs> it's only right. I mean, so... Uh, so this is, the, uh, this is the problem that always faces guys who want to establish a new country. They'll, every time you want to establish a new country or a new form of government, you always see it ruled by yourself or the people who think like you do. And so it's, uh, it presents a great problem. But the old royalist idea has always persisted. This is a deep human, again, it's a human, uh, uh, one of the human fallacies, the belief that, uh, that somehow if you have a king, he's above politics. Whereas, as a matter of fact, some of the most corrupt politicians of all history were kings. But there is always this belief that uh, that aristocratic, uh, aristoc- uh, you might say, aristocratic concepts always put the person above the crass uh, things of now. As a matter of fact, many a king has gotten into trouble because he demanded unbelievably ter- uh, high tariffs to be paid to him, <laughs> which is, in a sense, uh, he just came right out and said, Look, I ain't not going to mess around with a graft. You just pay. And uh, they did. And so ultimately they blew the lid off of that whole concept because it, it eventually decays into figureheadism, at which point then you have what they call popinjays then come into, into the field and they lead the country and the king uh, is the figurehead. But if you have a real king, uh, in other words, a king that actually does rule, uh, then you, that's just another name for a dictator uh, but it's a dictator you see with the difference and what is the difference well he is always invariably considered if a king is involved uh, he is considered to be somehow uh, that way by birth and by right that's called the royal right of, of succession he's not just a, you know, a tough guy that came in and took over like Hitler it's royal right and so it's very hard, much harder to mount a revolution against a king than it is, say, against a, uh, a dictator. Because the dictator usually is just another guy like you, and he got a lot of guns together and a bunch of his buddies, and they blew up the city all. And uh, there's nobody that says he's divine. Although it's interesting to note that many a dictator has assumed divinity later. Uh, they begin to deify themselves. Now, for example, uh, in, in uh, communist uh, China today, uh, Mao Zedong has attained semi deity status, and he is he is almost a uh, you know he's a god, a godlike creature, and uh, at the at the point where any mere mortal crossing swords with a Mao or say crossing swords with a with a uh, member of that kind of uh, concept is not crossing swords with another man, but a divinely inspired creature, and uh, that's madness in itself. It's like arguing with Buddha. Uh, it doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, so, so uh, the, the the old idea of of king and and uh, and, and I suppose you can say the the uh, the divinely inspired leader uh, has always been part of the fallacy of mankind, and we've always gone back to it ultimately. Curiously enough, that's why dictatorships continue to arise, uh, and uh, they 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 seem at the time to be the right thing the people get swept away you heard uh, you heard that cheer of the eagle has landed that little commercial well that was millions of people cheering a guy which they thought at that time by the way had curious uh, he was a super divinity almost and in fact the Hitler a lot of people don't realize that during Hitler's Hitler's reign in Germany uh, that everything was made done to make Hitler appear to be beyond the mortal uh, uh, failings of human beings. for example, he made great efforts, not, for example, not to ever get married. He doesn't have anything to do with women. Uh, he he uh, he made a big uh, thing about uh, uh, he was always afraid that he would gain any weight. Did you know that Hitler was extremely nervous about gaining weight because that would be somehow human. It would <laughs> he would be a he would be a human person. It shows that he likes to have fig Newton's late at night and sit around and have a little beer with the boys. So he was always afraid of gaining weight. And, uh, and they had movies made. There's a famous movie director, for example, that made a great movie, a great, I say it only technically, it was a great technical movie, Techn- it was a tour de force, a direction. And it's a powerful thing. What, what's the name of the movie? You studied a uh, little media, what is it? You don't know the name of the movie. Well, it was called The tri- Triumph of the Will. And it's a movie that was shown throughout Germany back in the, right shortly after Hitler came into power during, uh, well, actually during around the time of the 36 Olympics. is historically true. And this movie was just absolutely compelled. People had to go see it, and it was shown in the movie houses. And it was a tremendous success. And the opening of the movie literally shows Hitler descending from the heavens. Yes, he does, in a great flash of light. And, and he, he really, what he does actually is arrive... In a uh, J-52, if <laughs> you're interested in what it was, it was a it was a Lufthansa transport of the period. Later, a bomber, a J-52. It's a Junkers Ju-52, and he, he comes out of the sun, and you just see Hitler literally descending. It's a fantastic scene, millions of people, and and uh, he he walks a solitary figure among great banks of thousands of uh, of torch-bearing people. It's just uh, unbelievably. Uh, uh dramatic and so it it's all based on the concept of a of a deity uh, concept the de- deity does not walk with the crowds at any point, so Hitler was rarely ever seen walking in in a group of people uh he was always a lone figure uh walking down a vast you've seen those movies walking down a vast aisle of of assembled multitudes mankind and he ascends to this high platform whenever he spoke he spoke at great high. Heights high above the audience, looking down. And lights, the lights were fantastic on them. You know who designed all those lights? I bet you're curious who was, the, who was the responsible for the design of all that stuff. There was a man who designed the panoply at the famous uh, Nazi party conclaves they had. Say Every year they had a great party conclave in Nuremberg. Which uh, all the stops were pulled out. I mean, everything. Was, you've seen them in the movies. You've seen movies of those things with the searchlights and all this stuff. Well, there was a, his architect, uh, Albert Speer, uh, designed this stuff, and he designed, he had a very interesting idea for this, uh, this, uh, the first big Nazi party they had, that they took giant searchlights, like hundreds of them. It was a fantastic sight from the, I've seen movies of it. And they took giant searchlights, like really hundreds of them. I mean, really powerful searchlights. I'm talking about the kind, of anti-aircraft searchlights, the kind with an enormous beam. And they put them in a giant ring around the stadium, pointed directly upwards. So that when this thing opened, it looked like in the, in the sky there was an enormous wall of light. It was like giant pillars that extended to infinity. Very carefully spaced. And uh, just at the time when Hitler was to appear, they they had fly right through this beam. They had they had uh, a flight V-shaped flight of uh, Stukas just went right through this thing, screaming as they went through it. You see, <laughs> oh wow, the people flipped. I mean, it was unbelievable sights. And and this is part of that idea of making a a, a person into a deity, a a, a, a natural divine ruler that anyone could bring about this kind of fantastic uh, wonderment has to be divine he, you know it doesn't show up in a sears robux suit uh that's by the way one of the reasons why almost all dictators appear in magnificent uniforms because it sets them apart from the walking around guy he, the walking around guy of course uh, he wears his t-shirt and he goes out and gets his stretch suit uh but uh when you see for example the scenes of uh stalling he has, uh, wow, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, and this this is all part of the, the pamphlet. Napoleon, for example, had great uniforms designed for himself. And uh, he made sure that this was so. So, uh, you know, everything everything was very, very uh, dramatic. And uh, he, was, he was even more than a king. Of course, he declared himself uh, an emperor, which is... You know, goes uh, goes even back before kingship. Emperor means an empire, <laughs> whereas a king means just one little country like Patagonia. But uh, but an emperor, that's something else. That's that's the biggie. That's the big time. That's like Caesar, the Roman Empire, and all the rest of it. So uh, the the imperial uh, connotations, uh, panoply, are very evident uh, when when you when you look at. Uh, Say the procession of a leading dignitary from, say, a great uh, Iron Curtain country. When he arrives, he uh, he arrives wearing a, a, a tremendous uniform. Usually, uh, he arrives with with a color guard, a tremendous color guard, a Praetorian guard standing at attention. Usually, a very specially selected group of soldiers, all specially uniformed. Which, by the way, was another thing that uh, Hitler did. He had great uniforms for the uh, the palace guard, <laughs> which, incidentally, in essence, was the SS. Uh, but within the SS, there was a nucleus called Hitler's guards, the Fuhrer guard. And they were like the cream of the cream. And uh, why had they had uniforms that even to this day glow in the dark, <laughs> if you run across one of them. But uh, you know those uniforms and all that stuff... Uh, People are studying that. You know, you can actually buy now books where all the Nazi regalia is all carefully analyzed. Schutzstaffel SS Hauptführer, second class, with the Order of Romania and the Great Star of Bulgaria with diamond cross leaf oaks. <laughs> wow. This is W O R New York. Stay tuned for in conversation.